Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The clutch, the thrust, your cock, my butt. Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. Ooh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Your lust. The throttle, the glide. You want to slip and slide. Ooh, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Inside, real high. You ride. My lust. Bonsoir, Monsieur Dan. It is Sunday, February 3rd, 2013, and you're now listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio. I am your hostess, Sandra London of livinggrind.com, and I just lost a bit. <laughs> so congratulations to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, better luck next time, San Francisco 49ers, but you still have my heart. Um, I am broadcasting to you live from the sunny and wintry beaches all at the same time, of Southern California in connection with Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Digital Podcast, and Naked Girls Radio. I will begin tonight's broadcast with the song Houdini Act by Mongrel. Here you go.
that was Houdini Act by Mongrel. And now for the next song, I'll play um, a song called Alcohol by Hell's Addiction. Here you go. Or not. <laughs> okay, hold on two seconds. I'm going to play Edge of the Night, and I'll get that song working for you shortly. Uh, yeah, how are those ravens doing? <laughs> Anyways, here we go. Here's Edge of the Night by Azatron, and I'll be right back with you. The call-in number is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333.
was Azatron with the song Edge of the Night. All right, let's give it one more try with that song that I was mentioning just a bit ago, a song by Hell's Addiction called Alcohol. That's pretty awesome. Check it out. Let's hope it works. addiction with the song alcohol hope y'all enjoyed that out there um and yes um seeing as how i lost the bet for the super bowl uh this evening i owe lamar gafford of uh you were just thinking it dot dot blogspot.com 
a tribute video to him and his sights and his awesome powers of, like, knowing who's going to win or picking the better team at the moment. <laughs> Who knows? But anyways, congratulations, um, Lamar, <laughs> for winning the bet. Alrighty, um, I have a couple different news things gathered, um, and I will say some happy birthdays to famous people living and beyond um, in just a little while. And I also wanted to let everyone know who may not be aware, um, I finally completed that story that I mentioned one or two episodes ago, Annie and the Apple Bottom, um, and I will read that for you live here uh, this evening on this here show very shortly, um, and I'll explain also um, where, um, I suppose, where the story was originally set to lead, and you will see um, um, in effect what actually came about when you hear the story, <laughs> and I hope you like it very much. Um, but I will do that very soon. Right now, let's see. I believe I will play something for you here. I will play... I will play... Um, French and Freaky Friday. Real quick for you, this was... Um, this is the audio version of a segment that I filmed for Sandra London TV. Um, and it's frightful and delicious, and it expresses my fright in a different, indirect way for having lost tonight. I don't know. I watched the game, and it, I was not disenchanted at all by how poorly San Francisco was playing in the beginning. I, I knew that they were um, known for their second wins. Um, and I'm very proud of how they played. I think they did excellently, um, you know, when it all comes together. So I think they're awesome, awesome, awesome. And Kaepernick is really hot. <laughs> so let me just put that out there. But anyways, here you go. Please enjoy French and Freaky Friday, and then I will be right back with you. Hello. Hello. Is anybody out there? Woo! Woo! And I could totally scare you right now <laughs> if you saw my hair. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's currently in witness protection program underneath a lovely red uh, towel. Oh! <clears throat> what the what the freak, man? The freaks come out on Fridays. You want to see my towel? You can see my towel, but I'm not freaking showing. Ooh, oh, my glasses still hot. Okay. Now I'm blind, but now you see a towel. And, and ZJ and me, and I don't even know if I'm explaining this correctly, because I'm blind officially right now. But I love you anyway. This <laughs> one's scary. Oh, Skype's downloading something weird. You know, they were just bought out by, like, I think Microsoft or somebody. Did you know that? I did not know that. Scary. So scary. Anyway, I just turned on the webcam because that's how I do. 
Um, totally unscripted, unedited. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> Not much right now. Uh. <laughs> um, uh, what? What? Well, okay, tell me, BJ, what would come out of my mouth if it were to come out? Food poisoning was yesterday, and I'm probably over that. I've been okay lately for the past um, 24 hours, let's say. Tell me, give me some ideas. What would come out of my mouth? Let me know. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say it. I just can't. Be, be, Use your imagination. Be poetic. What? Come on. I'm come, not a poet. Come now. <laughs> yeah. That's, come now. That's one thing that might. That's gross. Well, I was trying to be. Poetic. I either swallow or gargle. You know that. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um. Yeah. So I'm working on some videos for tonight. I need to figure out what to do with my hair. It's in hiding right now. I need to fix it. It's like not available for the viewing public at the momo um but soonish i want to put something out and maybe you'll see this maybe you won't maybe you'll see like you know only the hair done stuff but anyway i didn't want to say hi um and i don't know i suppose okay i was asked recently why so often I choose not to show my face. And that's usually because when I'm working, I'm in nerd mode. And to me, that means UGMO mode. But I don't know. A lot of guys will find it hot when they happen upon me. But I don't, I'm like really vain. So I I think it's weird sometimes. Anyway, so I'm usually wearing glasses, no makeup, and my hair could be any which way. So that's usually sometimes why. And then sometimes I kind of just want to see how expressive the body can be uh and the voice like can you be lured in and captured by my voice by vj's voice by our bodies and if i must say i think it's kind of sexy at least half the time or more no if i freak to that <laughs> all the time oh all the time all the time, all the time. what was i thinking Always hot, always hot. Somebody, <laughs> somebody in the world thinks I'm beautiful. And my boobs look massive right now. It's fucking huge. So who needs a face? Well, who needs a face when you got tatas like that? Am I am I right or am I wrong? Should I bust out in some French too? Tu vas entendre quelque chose très très sexy et chaud. Je peux parler toute la nuit comme ça. Okay. All right. Okay. Don't leave English speakers. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done for now. <laughs> um. So we'll hear more later. And um. Much more. I'm gonna show my, my profile. Ooh. A little bit more. And I'm being nice. It's Friday the 13th, and I'm not gonna scare you with what's underneath this towel. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Wait, yeah. I look like a lion right it. there. Kiss oh. it. Oh, yeah. Do I need to take my fucking pants off? Mm -hmm. I, I, 
actually setting on any square work now. Okay, only a little bit, because this is, I can make this friendly. <laughs> this is bald. It's friendly to me. Okay, as long as it's friendly to somebody. Right? Anyhow, uh, okay. You gotta turn this one. More, more, more. Okay. Mm -hmm. This rope needs not yeah. to <laughs> Okay. <laughs> my, my pleasure. <laughs> Excuse me, somebody <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> It's a dirty job. Oh my god! It's dirty. No, it's it's fresh and so clean, clean. But but it'll get dirty. It will. And approximately it's coming. As soon as the camera goes off. <laughs> That's right. What is it? Am I yeah. like am I wrapping this brand? What kind of towel is this? The freaking tag keeps mm, showing no, all the time. Short. No, that's okay. no, it's made. <gasps> China. <laughs> I'm repping China. Peace, China. I rep your towel. <laughs> and I'm, oh yeah, I need to turn this camera off because I am about to be too obscene. Happy Friday! Woo!
that was X Factor with the song Break You. Alrighty. Okay, so to start things out for a few little um happy birthdays. Where did I put it? Oh there we go. Um <laughs> Happy Birthday, eighteen twenty four, Elizabeth Blackwell, American physician, eighteen forty two, Sydney Sydney <laughs> Sydney Lanier, sorry, American musician and poet. 1874, Gertrude Stein, 1894, Norman Rockwell, 1904, Pretty Boy Floyd, The Gangster, 1920, Henry Heinlich, American Physician, 1950, Morgan Fairchild, 1956, Nathan Lane, 1974, Julie Meadows, and 1976, Isla Fisher. Happy birthday, and happy birthday to anyone having a birthday Um this week um from now forward um and ooh okay so history lesson real quick real quick um on this day in history in 1690 the colony of massachusetts issued the first paper money in america oh note to self and note to um larry from uh, bornababe.com okay cool 1783 um the American Revolutionary War, Spain recognized uh, United States independence. 1809, the Illinois Territory was created. 1830, the Greek um, sovereignty or Greek sovereignty was confirmed in a London Protocol. 1834, Wake Forest University was established. 1870, the 15th Amendment was ratified, guaranteeing voting rights to citizens regardless of race. 1918, uh, the Twin Peaks Tunnel in San Francisco, California, began service as the longest streetcar tunnel in the world at that time at 11,920 feet. Is that why I thought they'd win? I don't know. <laughs> 1959, um, the day the music died, um, huge plane crash. Um, yeah. 1984, John Buster and the research team at Harb. Harbor UCLA Medical Center announced history's first embryo transfer from one woman to another, resulting in a live birth. And also in that same year, 1984, the STS-41B launched using Space Shuttle Challenger. In 1995, astronaut Eileen Collins became the first woman to pilot the Space Shuttle as mission STS-63 went underway from Kennedy Space Center um, and Florida. I actually visited there, um, wow, 13 years ago. Um, 1998, uh, Carla Faye Tucker was executed in, in Texas, becoming the first woman um, to be executed in the United States since 1984. Go, Texas. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Well, I'm going to play a song here real quick, and then um, I will do a live reading of. Annie and Apple Bottom, and I will preface that with um, uh, some details of what it originally was going to be and what came about. But in the meanwhile, please enjoy this next song. I will play um, Down Underground by the Lemianas, and I'll be right back with you. The call-in number is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858 858- Eight one five two three three three.
Down Underground by the group The Limianas. Okay, so, um, yeah, um, where were we? Yes, okay, so for Annie and the Apple Bottom, um, I had, for this story, I had the title in mind for quite some time, and I kind of had a general idea of, of the storyline, how I wanted it to go. Um, originally, it was to involve a couple um, with the woman being a very passionate woman and somewhat frigid as far as um, uh, anal sex uh, goes. And so she, yet she was also open to the idea of another woman um, joining her and her her beau um, who was like very amply endowed in the apple bottom regions. <laughs> And it was sort of going to be like a like a, a first time um, gleaned from that of another. So I guess um, her experiencing what it would entail, <laughs> quote unquote, to um, partake in the joys of anal sex, and then you know greedily towards the end wanting to go at it and you know experience the same. That is what the original storyline was in my head, yet uh, just the other day, um, that Tuesday or Wednesday, um, is when I just, I don't know, I was, what was I reading? I'm not quite sure, but I just decided, you know what, I want to, like, stretch my brain in a sense and sort of, like, think outside of the box, quote-unquote, and I want to be a body part, and... I want to make that into my story, Annie and the Apple Bottom, um, and indeed I did, and <laughs> therefore um, the story that I'll read for you right now is what resulted, so uh, let me know what you all think of it. Um, uh, yes, I welcome feedback. There you go. Anyway, so Annie and the Apple Bottom. <clears throat> okay. Deep within the underskirt of Annie's home spanked cheeks lies the bottom of the apple. Like a silent serpent, I will creep in and out, furtively and spirited with the pride of that all-American pie within a bird's-eye view. The hearty swells of each ample cheek will wax and wane at each rising crescendo. They will redden in unison with each loving thwack from my fellow partner and thigh. We are a joint operation, compelled by the force of each digit in search of destiny, desire, and derision. Yet, alone, I will propel inch by inch, flesh to flesh, as I ascend and unleash. As I expand, I will continue to make headway through this luscious apple valley. As I submerge, I will immerse myself in this warm, welcome confinement, the border sending electric jolts to build up and tease me with the prospect of the most wicked nirvana, a tight, warm, wet hearth to swallow me whole. At the brink, I will emerge victorious, at a standstill, if you will, but only momentarily. From this cusp of natural treasure, I will divulge my most glorious exposition of all and flick streams of sustenance 
along the endless miles of flesh defining my sweet Annie's silhouette and another set of cheeks and before her very eyes I am eight inches tall an officer and a gentleman I will take you to my leader the end <laughs> that was Annie and the Apple Bottom written by me yours truly Sandra London on January 30th 2013 at 3 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. <laughs> so, yeah, so there you go. Um, that is available to peruse at your leisure on to liveandgrindinla.com or liveandgrind.com, uh, along with many others and various um, entries <laughs> and the like. Yeah, but there you go, Annie on the Apple Bottom. Alrighty, so in the meanwhile, I will give you next song, which will be, hmm, <laughs> Freak Show by Cheech Marley featuring Tony Yates, and I'll be right back with you. The call-in number is 858-815-2333, once again, 858-815-2333, and you're listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio. Yeah. I'm 
song. Jeremiah, that's my name, that's my name. Oh, yeah, it's very true. When I say we know pretenders, we them young boys. You can check out street credentials. I heard money make you calm. Is you a gold digger? I go 5,000 if you try to get richer. I'ma touch a little bit to make it droop and make it tickle. I can't help myself. I'm in love with a stripper. The only thing I tell my gal is I promise I won't kill her.
fellas, why don't you come over, check this out. Coast Ryan. Face got set, so my cash multiplied. 
Haters like us, we gon' always leave them crying. If it's ever controversial, we gon' load up and ride. Out back, bustin' AKs and every night. I'm letting these rappers know that this game all mine. My flow like VVS's, ain't no way I ain't gon' shine. Get me in any jam, I won't never drop a dime. If you dropping one on me, I'ma kill you, I ain't lying. You smoking on some pine, that shit don't get me hot. I'm blowing on that threat from Miss PG and Bruce Scott. Give me my money, man, or your service I did not. You do that bullshit over here. Now let me get back to this paper. Now let me get back to this paper. Back to this paper. Back back to this paper. Back 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 to this paper. Now let me get back That was Miss PG with the song Back to This Paper. Uh, you can listen to more of her music on Naked Girls Radio, and I believe she also has a Reverb Nation account, so just look for Miss PG. And um, let's see. Ah, yes. Um, in the spirit of uh, body parts and minding them, um, yeah. Like a little while ago, I recorded um, an audio a clip of me um, uh, reading, boy, excuse me, reading um, a 10-minute play, which actually is a bit longer, quite a bit longer than 10 minutes, um, but hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, It's called Watch Your Head, and um, it was on the website 10minuteplays.com. The author of this play is awesome and phenomenal. Um, I hope I did some justice to... Uh, reading it, but um, you can see for yourself. Here we go. I will play for you. Oh, excuse me. Watch your head. Um, a play um, from 10 minutes play. 10 minute plays. dot com. Excuse me. Here you go. Mm. Uh huh. Good night. <gasps> okay. Thanks. <laughs> oh jeez. So, when do you want to stop hook? All right, I need to write that down. Okay. Gotcha. Hmm. Oh no. No problem. Really, it's no problem. I can do it. But. <laughs> I can do it. I like saying that. So, uh, let me set the scene here. That will entail a little background, so bear with me. I mean, really, bear with me, okay? If at any point it seems I'm rambling or long-winded, just tell yourself or, like, nudge each other and say, aw, well, bless her heart. Her head blew up. (laughs) Okay, the opening matinee had gone pretty well. And what had been a bad summer for both my friend Merritt and myself, acting in this two-woman show, 
has been the only shaft of light, and we look forward to doing it. We worked our asses off. <laughs> we had an abbreviated rehearsal time and slowly felt good about it. Luckily, of course, the audience didn't know of any of this, nor were any playgoers aware of the chaos backstage, such as painting of a set beginning only at like 11 a.m. this morning. I'll confess, I was terrified that afternoon, but we got through it before an audience attend. So, onwards and upwards, right? As we dressed for the evening show, Merritt and I kidded each other, horsing around. I heard the pre-show music kick in, and I did my ritual, my quick, in el nombre de Padre, del Hijo y el Espíritu Santo. And I told myself, this will be over in a couple hours, and I can have a drink and relax. Except, this time, somehow, I didn't buy it. A couple hours, get a drink, relax. I had a weird feeling that it was never going to end. <laughs> Ridiculous, right? The show was going well. Merritt and I, quite frankly, were cooking. For a time, anyway. I know now that it happened. Sometime towards the end of Act One, I didn't start to feel effects until, like, after intermission, and then... Yeah, well, the it I'm referring to, I like to call it... <coughs> that time my head blew up. Not overly snappy, but it's either that or I spent four years in New Mexico and all I got was this lousy brain hemorrhage. So when we come out of intermission and my head starts to hurt, like terribly, and I'm still performing, pushing myself, and a very confused merit throughout the scene. I don't know what I'm saying. I, I was not really in control of what I said. I... My voice sounded flat and mechanical, but we went on because I didn't know how to stop. <laughs> I, I remember the director shouting at me, not unusual for that ass, but unexpected in front of an audience, and then I heard him tell the crowd that the show was canceled. What? And then we went to the hospital. Someone asked for my cell phone to get my emergency numbers, my family, and I couldn't use my left hand. My time at the hospital is remembered, if at all, in flashes, a snapshot, <clears throat> jagged shards of recollection. They add up, I guess. For instance, as appreciative as I am to the staff of the ER, why do they ask questions if they aren't going to listen? My favorite was the medical history drill. Is there a chance you could be pregnant? Not without a miracle. What was that? Beg pardon? They talk in fevered, whispered, hushed tones amongst themselves. Is she pregnant? She must be pregnant. Wait, she might be. We need to know if she's pregnant. Hello? Did you notice a bright star or three wise men following me in here? 
then there was the C2 fan. I told them I was claustrophobic. I told them, yet they were surprised and angry when they had to pull me out and sedate me. And let me add that sedated does not equal deaf or unconscious or oblivious or stupid. I heard the cheery instruction that someone needed to notify my next of kin. Gee, thanks. Just because someone lies at the brink of becoming a human-sized can of V8 juice, or Snappy Tom, as I prefer, does not mean they're not there. They are. I was largely out of it, I mean, really out of it for about a week. But a few things stand out in vivid technicolors, such as the exorcist who came to administer the last rites, which also go under the fuzzy title of Extreme Unction. <laughs> this particular priest, I would, found, I would have found frightening if it, I hadn't been immobile and really thirsty. Dressed entirely in black, he gazed doubtfully in my direction, advanced slowly for added drama, I suspect, then loomed over my face and intoned, Would you like to discuss your mortal sin? I wonder what was next. A pop quiz? Maybe a PowerPoint presentation? Other moments and thoughts <clears throat> that somehow rise to the top of the murky soup of that period include uh, the realization that a week into this picnic I still had stage makeup caked all over my face, that watching SpongeBob SquarePants is infinitely more enjoyable on morphine, that all the time, day in, day out, I was cold. That even though the whole initial episode sometimes seemed like an elaborate joke, it was unlikely to be so. For reasons of logistics, if nothing else, it would have been, it would have taken, I don't know, it would have taken a lot of planning to set up the intracranial bleed, the projectile vomiting, the care flight, my brother appearing at my bedside to read from a Harry Potter book. I don't know anyone that organized that, that if anyone ever comes your way using the phrase blended diet, get the hell out of there. If you can move, that is. My introduction to this was a tall glass of warm beet puree that this improved so mightily over beef in any other configuration. Other treats from the Devil's Cuisinart included blended tossed salad, liquefied lettuce with a piquant hint of ranch dressing, and the lasting indignity of needing to ask, may I please have another sip of cake? The less said about my demoralizing assistant showers, the better. In my memory, it looms as the cruel mix of some 1950s hydrotherapy and the barren enclosure where they give circus animals a good hosing off. I'm not a big fan of rehabilitation therapy at first. In the best of times, I don't suffer fools gladly, so... Besides... I still felt in moments this was all part of a big room 
but maybe I was at the center of an episode of Pump. The first therapist came to me, her arms laden with paperwork. I said, um, I may not be up to lots of administrative work, uh, quite yet. Well, this is what I wanted to say. I couldn't, you see. Because the left side of my face was paralyzed. My speech was difficult and uncharacteristically terse. I think Clint Eastwood walked off. The next therapist asked me to examine a photograph and identify the five things wrong with it. I said I couldn't. She asked why. Because there are six, I told her. She was unamused. Unsurprisingly, this was the same young woman who one day peered at me over her clipboard and asked if my parents were still Hispanic. I found more reward in my sessions with a neurologist named Bless His Heart, Dr. Slitter. One afternoon, I was speaking more easily by this time. He asked if I could explain the significance of Hamlet's soliloquy. Since I had written my thesis on the play, I was glad to oblige, and we had a nice conversation. Around this time, I began to hear many of the personnel refer to me as high-functioning. That's great. <laughs> I longed to shout, I have two master's degrees, I'm still not deaf. I decided, however, this would be impolite, and kept my mouth shut. In time, I soon deduced high-functioning Remember, that much of their chatter was coded conversation for, isn't there some other hospital that can take the crack of this vile, overeducated bitch? And so, at my prodding, they made contact with Fort Worth Dr. Robert Nieto, a friend and neurologist and playwright, as it happened. Shortly thereafter, I found myself being packaged and airlifted back to Texas closer to my family and a doctor who knew me, who understood my temperament, and who just might, in time, give me a few answers in return for the millions of questions I'd been asked. But first, of course, I had to tell my story to a whole new cadre of nurses, therapists, secretaries, etc. Had I actually died and gone to hell? <laughs> I considered this scenario quite seriously for a few days. The warm beat puree <coughs> gave credence to the idea, but I finally decided that it was ruled out by the absence of animatronic children singing at Small World after all. Post-brain trauma therapy only sounds like a self-important rock dance. It's actually... <laughs> it's, ugh, it's actually an avenue of treatment designed to make a given patient functional and even attempt to bring the individual's abilities back to pre-trauma levels. <laughs> Since I was regarded as high-functioning, I was told that after I'd mastered walking and talking and showering by myself, <laughs> the focus would be on assessment. I'm lots of assessment. <laughs> In other words, they wanted to determine exactly what sort of disabled, overeducated vegetable I was going to be. Assessment means testing, and I was no stranger to taking tests. I'd loved it in my pre-trauma existence, 
but now the stakes seemed much higher, and I soon had an unshakable sense of myself as a failure. My self-esteem was further undermined by lots of people telling me what to do around the clock. You know I love that. And a strange assortment of persistent fears and worries that filled my thoughts. I worried that I was going to miss a day somehow. What? It's Thursday? What happened on Wednesday? Where'd it go? Or hysterical if I realized I didn't know what time it was. I hated being alone. Ever. And this place pencil could bring me to tears. And let me emphasize, no one's ego has ever started to soar as long as they required an escort to go to the bathroom. And here's something you need to understand. <clears throat> as good and vital as they are, as much as we need them and owe them, hospitals are not the best places to heal. This is true for many reasons, not the least of which is that as you get better, or think you're getting better, you want out of the hospital. Maybe you're not ready to go rock climbing or swim the English Channel or resume your career in theoretical physics, but if you can feed yourself and construct simple sentences, you're ready to leave. And odds are, the good folks at Our Sisters of Flagging Mercy are ready for your departure, too. <laughs> I know a nurse who's resisted many offers of advancement and promotion and increased income. All of she leaves her work in surgical recovery wards. This, of course, is the land of gaudy, gauzy silence, where patients spend their most immediate hours after leaving the operating table comfortably mute in the pillowy bosom of noble pharmaceuticals. When asked why she turned down chances for money and positions, my friend says simply, I like my patients. What's so special about patients in surgical recovery, you ask? They're quiet. Once everyone agrees you're headed for outpatient status, things really ramp up. Therapy intensifies, and there's no time for frivolity. Every evening, when the night nurse asks if there's anything else I needed, I'd say, yes, a vodka martini with extra olives. Tolerance for the banter ran out when everyone else in the brain trauma wing took to ordering cocktails, too. Similarly, my caretaker is predictably dour when a drop in my blood pressure had dictated that I'd be given an IV. There's not much else I can do, she said flatly. I responded with, Oh, so I guess working on those one-handed cartwheels is out of the question, huh? She considered this for a second and then asked without humor, Is that what they've got you doing in therapy? Yes. Yes, it is. I'm actually not in therapy. I'm just preparing to audition for clown college. On one occasion, my therapist insisted we play catch. I'm afraid it looked more like an oddly mean spirit it came of dodgeball. Later on, she gave me the test of trying to walk the aisles in the hospital's cluttered gift shop and not bump into anything. Hell, I couldn't have done that the day of my life. Finally came the day when I was declared an outpatient. Now, unless you overestimate the magnitude of this liberation, 
let me emphasize that being an outpatient is rather like being on parole. The tether is short, your circumstances are limited, and lots of people have their eye on you. So, I'm free, free to stay in a patient friend's house. There's, ugh. Huh. Free enough uh, to have my own room and bathroom. Free enough to only require the presence of a shower chair and the rented wheelchair. I'm happy to report I used but a few times. Most importantly, it was only now that I realized just how fiercely determined <coughs> to recover and recover totally. I really was. Finally, I was on my own and getting better. Really hadn't involved jumping through hoops or pleasing someone or even trying to do enough just to shut them up. Now I was playing for cheap and playing for me. That made all the difference. Outpatient therapy offered its own brand of polarity course. I sorted screws and wing nuts in the box and thought it not much different from a tech theater class years before. There was a computer exercise entitled Tower of Hanoi. Cheery, huh? That involved stacking monkeys of various sizes atop one another until the topmost creature could reach the apple that dangled above his head. Two questions came to mind. One, is Hanoi renowned for its plentiful orchard? Secondly, it bothered me that the bottom monkey never got to eat. Personally, I'd never allow a group of friends to clamber on top of my head if there's nothing in it for me. I kept this opinion to myself. I did not remain silent, however, in performing a response time test, which they told me would determine if I'd ever be allowed to drive. On the wall, they, pro they projected a giant grid divided into several squares. My assignment was to press a button every time I saw a light pop up in any square. Unfortunately, they discovered I was actually trying to predict which square would light up, sort of testing the test. Firstly, they switched me to a computer exam and reminded me that my future as a driver depended on the outcome. This time, I was to stare dutifully at the screen and pound the space bar each time I saw the letter E. I remarked that I'd driven for years and years and never, ever seen a giant E lunge in the oncoming traffic. Again, they were not abused. <laughs> Many of the therapeutic activities concocted for outpatients seem like bizarre hazing rituals. You know, do this stupid repetitive thing for no good reason until we decide if you're good enough. At least pledges get drunk. The first time the therapist told me we were going to attend an outing, I was really shocked. After all, I've spent a big chunk of my life in the theater and among theater people, so that verb had a very specific meaning to me. Who's going to be outed? Another patient? That seemed unnecessarily cruel. Once again, I paid the price for thinking too much. Our outing was simply a van full of brain trauma patients dispatched to the grocery to gather ingredients for next week's occupational therapy. I like to look back on this period and believe I was pretty stoic, if not outright tough, triumphant, a testament to the human spirit 
or displaying other qualities will suit it to a movie on lifetime. But one afternoon, after an especially rigorous battery test designed to improve my processing speed, I lost it. I really did. I was trying to assemble these blocks in a prescribed pattern, and it was simple, and I could see it in my head, but I couldn't make my hands do the work. And so, meltdown. I was sobbing all over those goddamn blocks, and the therapist, she's great. She spoke softly, and she said, Does anyone ever explain exactly what happened to you? Did they tell you? And of course, no one had. They told me I'd be alright after they told me I wouldn't live through it. They told me not to mind someone taking me to the shower or feeding me liquid pie. They told me there's no substitute for hard work. Not to be too hard on myself, but they just needed to ask a few questions. And that sarcasm had no place in the therapeutic process. And they told me that I was doing great, that I needed to work harder, that I'd be good news, and that I'd have to accept my limitations. And they told me that they needed me to take just one more test, one more time, just give it one more shot. And then they told me not to cry. But nobody ever had explained what the hell went on in my head. When my head blew up, what really happened? Well, this woman with a soft voice and soft hands, she did. She showed me a picture of the human brain and explained what a three centimeter centimeter bleed was. And it occurred to me that I should quit crying and become aware make myself aware of just how lucky I was to be walking and talking and to have enough cognitive power to cry and get so goddamn mad because I couldn't realize what my stumbling blocks were. That was the distance I traveled so far. So far. A sense of proportion is a very valuable thing. You see things in scale to the world around you. See, I mastered those damn blocks. And my family and friends, so great. Accompanied me through countless games of boggle and connect four and jumble word puzzles. I did them all. <laughs> well, the results of my last test in outpatient therapy suggested that I may never be able to pass a time test like the SAT or the GRE. I think I'll get by. I've even reached a point of being philosophical about the way I left that bewildered audience back in New Mexico. It had to have been a weird evening for them. I'm sorry, but... You know, I've let myself off the hook for that one.
And honestly, that night, <clears throat> I'm strange and unnerving and troubling as it must have been. really wasn't even the stupidest thing I've ever been a part of on a stage. That would involve a musical.
Naked Girls Radio listeners, have yourself a naked day and make it a naughty night with me, Sandra London, on Playtime with Sandra every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.